From beanies to carry bags and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. You're with Bruce Torres and World Stage on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. World Stage indeed. Exposing the tyrannies and exploring our power with deep dives into history, current events, dangerous trends, and the nature of reality. Before I introduce my guest, brief discussion of an article posted on michellechosudovsky.substack, I'll spell that later, came out February 14th, titled, Ukraine, what is the end game? The privatization of an entire country, available at Michelle, M-I-C-H-E-L, Chosudovsky, C-H-O-S-S-U-D-O-V-S-K-Y dot substack dot com. Just a minute about this. Introduction. The U.S. has conducted numerous wars since the end of what is euphemistically called the post-war era. Korea, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Afghanistan, Yugoslavia, Iraq, Libya, Syria, Yemen, and now Palestine and Ukraine. The unspoken objective is not to win the war, but to engineer the destruction of entire countries, create political and social chaos with a view to ultimately picking up the pieces and taking control of the national economies of sovereign nation states. I share this to whet your appetite to go to this substack, Michelle Chosudovsky dot substack and discover this man who for decades has been publishing in-depth analysis about many, many things behind the scenes. And he is a voice that I have followed for years and have been recommending as well for a long, long time. With me this hour is Thomas H. Greco Jr., a former engineer, professor, and entrepreneur who has for more than 40 years been researching, writing, lecturing, and advising in the fields of money, mutual credit systems, community currencies, and financial innovation. He has authored many articles and books, including his highly acclaimed The End of Money and the Future of Civilization, Reinventing Money for the Honest Exchange of Value, which is currently being revised, updated, and expanded. Chapters are being posted at thomasgreco.substack.com. Almost all of his writings, presentations, and interviews can be accessed and downloaded free of charge at beyondmoney.net. Thomas, thank you very much for joining me today. How are you? I'm fine, Bruce. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with your uh, audience. And I am grateful for what I have now learned is a lifetime of hard work to understand what I've learned is well described as the money problem. I am I'm tempted to uh, just simply offer you this time to tell me and my audience what you have anticipated your your heart's content the best that you could squeeze into our hour in kind of a beginning middle and end to bring a brand new audience up to speed and i'll interject questions along the way to clarify it can be very very conversational between you and i so it's uh, if you want to kind of launch right into, I guess, lecture or teaching mode, is that, does that sound like a good approach? 
Sure, yeah, let me first begin by remarking about uh, some of the things you just mentioned. You know, I've been a follower of Mike, Michelle Chesadovsky for a long time. Uh, he has a website called Global Research, and there are other authors that are posted on that site as well that sort of fall in line with uh, Michelle's uh, uh, interests and, and observations and views. And uh, so I want to highly recommend uh, that to your listeners. And uh, also, I want to comment on uh, some of the other things that you said before about how the United States, actually the Western Empire, which is the United States, Great Britain, and many of the Western European countries, plus Japan, Australia, New Zealand, uh, that's what I call the Western Empire. Uh, how are they able to conduct so many wars and interventions around the world, uh, such as those that you mentioned? Well, it's all because they control the money system. You know, uh, people don't generally realize that money is a necessity almost as much as air, water, food, and energy uh, in modern life. Because as Adam Smith said a long time ago, uh, it's very little of what we need that we can provide for ourselves. And so we depend on others uh, other companies and uh, other producers to provide the things that we can't produce for ourselves. So right now we have an economy that's become global and uh, supply chains are worldwide and becoming very tenuous. But that's not the main problem. The main problem is that we rely on a medium of exchange, what we call money. And that's why money was invented. It's a medium of exchange. It's a way of paying others uh, for what we need. Because, you know, if you think about when you leave the home in the morning, uh, you know, you get dressed, you take uh, your briefcase or whatever you need to do your job at work, if you still go to an office, or you go to your computer at home and work from your home office. Uh, but when you do go out, uh, you have to make sure you take your wallet, which has either cash currency or some other form of payment, like a credit card or a debit card. And we've become utterly dependent on these exchange media. Uh, unfortunately, the money system has been totally monopolized and controlled by a banking cartel in collusion with national governments. Now, when you look at the U.S. government in particular, the U.S. government, so-called debt, has been rising astronomically for a long time, especially since the financial meltdown of 2008. Uh, what did they do in 2008? They bailed out the banks. They took the bad debts off their, off their, off their hands and gave them actually uh, so-called government debt. Uh, to replace it. So we bailed out the banks. We ended up with fewer and larger banks. We have banks that are now deemed too big to fail. And so the whole system is uh, geared to prop up the banking system and the money monopoly. Now, I write about this in my book, The End of Money and the Future of Civilization, which you mentioned. Thank you for that. 
And as you pointed out, I'm in the process of updating, rewriting, and expanding that book in a 2024 edition. And it's being published chapter by chapter as I complete the new chapters uh, on my website, on Substack, on Medium, and other places on the web. Uh, the first five chapters have already been published, and I hope your listeners will avail themselves of those chapters. Uh, chapter six is in process, and I expect it will be posted within the next week or so. And uh, I'm also working on chapter seven, uh, which will probably go up in about three weeks. So altogether, I don't know how many chapters there will be because I'm adding new chapters to account for new developments since the original book was published uh, 15 years ago. So that's basically uh, what I've been struggling with for the last 40 plus years is to understand how this money monopoly uh, developed, uh, how it operates, and what the leverage points might be where we can circumvent it. Uh, mm -hmm. There's no reforming the money system. You know, money reformers have been around for uh, more than 100 years or more, and uh, no efforts to reform the system are possible because whoever controls money controls politics and everything else. So we developed very early on, actually going back to uh, the American Revolution, this collusive arrangement between government, politicians, and bankers, and corporatists, the owners and managers of large corporations. Uh, in one of the first chapters of the book, I talk about the contest for rulership, and uh, that was uh, epitomized in the uh, personalities of Thomas Jefferson and Alexander Hamilton. Uh, I go back 300 years to the founding of the Bank of England. At that I'm time- glad you said, Thomas, I'm glad you said that because I, I, I read the first chapter on your Substack and I met you about three weeks ago on Trying Day's Roundtable about yeah. uh, land value tax, basically economic justice with the economics of Henry George. But you just intuitively did exactly what I was just thinking to, to well define what happened 300 years ago with the advent, if I recall what you wrote, central banking. And you can see that it was the, the launch of the processes that now have brought the earth to, I think, the brink of a catastrophic collapse because, as you write and as you know, such an unbelievable amount of wealth is in the hands of so few. So what happened 300 years ago? Continue, please. Yeah, well, with the founding of the Bank of England, the Bank of England was not the first central bank, but it's the, uh, it's the uh, prototype, it's the model that every country has followed ever since. Uh, at that time, in 1694, King William III of England was fighting a war against France, and he needed money to finance that war. Wars are very expensive propositions, and there's a limit to how much you can tax directly your, your subjects uh, before they pose some resistance. And in those days, uh, resistance was uh, a lot more possible than it is today. But in any case, 
William Patterson and his cohorts came to the king and said, we will give you as much money as you need to finance your war if you will give us, uh, the founders of the Bank of England, the privilege of creating banknotes and lending them into circulation at interest. So that was the basic pattern. We had banks created paper money uh, or non, uh, non-commodity money, uh, basically out of nothing and lending it to people and charging them interest for it. Thomas, and, real quick, you said you said William Patterson, and I, I want to just confirm that's an additional William Patterson, into, in, apart from the New Jersey governor during the colonial uh, revolutionary period here, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. William Patterson was a Scotsman, and uh, this was in 1694. Uh, and I may even have the governor's name wrong, but I wanted to clarify that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't aware that there was a William Patterson who was governor of New Jersey. Or, or, or uh, I think he was in blah, blah, blah. But continue, please. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, this is an entirely different person that preceded that. Definitely, uh, definitely. So anyway, um, you had this collusive arrangement between the bankers and the politicians. Now, in the subsequent era, uh, we had one country after another following the Bank of England model. Uh, because monarchs and emperors want to be able to do what they want to do, regardless of the cost. Thomas, quick question. How radical was that uh, detail of of being able to charge interest? Was that business as usual, or was that the rub of the problem right there? Well, interest has gone back a long ways. In fact, uh, it's actually usury, and usury is uh, spoken of in the Bible, in the mm-hmm. Quran, uh, mm-hmm. it was uh, outlawed uh, by the Jewish faith, by the Christian faith, and by the Muslim faith. And uh, for a long time, uh, during the Middle Ages, uh, usury contracts uh, were prohibited. Mm-hmm. And so there were other ways of arranging for uh, capital formation and, and lending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I go into all of that in detail in the mm-hmm. first few chapters of my book, so I won't uh, spend a lot of time on that here. But well, then uh, this this uh, this uh, this allowing the charging of interest at this time you're telling me about was that should I understand it to be that was a blatant knowing abuse or something that was risky or dangerous? and nefarious on their part? Or was it business as usual for England at that time? Um, well, yeah, the the prohibitions uh, by the Christian church against usury had been relaxed. And as I point out in my book, uh, John Calvin was sort of the the one that opened up the, the floodgates, even though he realized that... Uh, you know, this was a slippery slope that could be abused. Mm. So, but uh, it's not the charging of interest per se. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, interest may be justified if you're giving up something. For example, if you have some gold coins and you lend me gold coins, you no longer have the use of those gold coins. So you're giving up the opportunity. 
So it may be appropriate for you to charge me interest. Mm-hmm. Or if you uh, lend me your cow, uh, you can charge interest on the cow because, yep. you know, I'm depriving you of the milk from that cow. So interest may be appropriate when there's an income stream attached to whatever you're lending me, uh, mm-hmm. which you are not deprived of and turning over to me. But when you create money uh, out of nothing, mm-hmm. actually, I point out this uh, in my book as well, in the first few chapters, uh, jumping ahead, when a bank well, makes a loan, they are Thomas, creating money. Thomas, allow me at this juncture to simply reintroduce you. Thomas H. Greco, Jr., author of The End of Money and the Future of Civilization, who has been researching, writing, lecturing, and advising in the fields of money and mutual credit systems and community currencies, getting me up to speed and doing a deeper dive, as you shall see, about the money problem and what are our possible solutions. And here now is important information from today's news talk, TNT. TNT's Abby Roberts. Climate change is having a disproportionate effect on the physical and mental health of black communities. Black Americans are more likely than white Americans to live in areas and housing that increase their susceptibility to climate-related health issues. Dr. Rachel Levine, now you may have, may have noticed something about Rachel. Uh, Rachel is in fact a bloke. That is a bloke uh, in, in a suit talking about um, how black people are adversely affected by climate. What a load of absolute nonsense. Did you see in the background as well that weird geometric shapes that are kind of all over? There's a weird blob. And uh, she's that's the human... Uh, it's called... I think it's Human Health Services. It's hhs.gov. Honestly, it is beyond scary, this stuff. It's like Marxism on steroids. Abby Roberts on TNT. A better business tip from TNT Radio. One reason people tune in to TNT Radio is often because they're loyal to a specific show or personality. Our personalities have been a part of people's daily routine, and people continue to tune in. They trust TNT Radio and are highly engaged with the content. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Listen up! Now listen, we gotta talk. It's what we do best. This is today's News Talk Radio. TNT. For all the latest community events, rallies, marches, festivals, and fundraisers happening near you, visit the What's On Events calendar at the TNT website at tntradio.live. Thomas Greco, uh, uh, we were just at the formation of the, the Bank of England, 1694, and you well described how the money was going to be created that would be loaned at interest and continue, you know, teach me how that has been uh, grown and developed into the current world situation of, as you've described in chapter one that I read of your book, the uh, centralization of tremendous amount of wealth and power that is uh bringing us to a very very dangerous point okay well let me pose a question uh look at the u.s government budget 
how is the government of the United States able to allocate billions and billions of dollars to one thing after another uh, without the sufficient tax income? Well, they do it because they have control of the money uh, in collusion with the banking system. Uh, they don't run printing presses literally, but they do create pseudo money uh, in conjunction with the banks to do whatever they want to do. So, you know, we have uh, 60 billion for Ukraine, 10 billion for Israel, uh, billions for this project and that project, most of which uh, benefit either the military industrial complex or some special interest corporations. Uh, and uh, it just adds to what is called the national debt. Now, if you look at the national debt of the United States, it has grown astronomically, especially since uh, 2008 uh, during the financial meltdown and beyond. Mm -hmm. And uh, currently, the U.S. government debt stands at around $34 trillion, that's with a T, trillion dollars, which is a mind-boggling figure. And the Congressional Budget Office uh, just came out with a report last week that they anticipate that that will grow in the next 10 years to $54 trillion. Now, where's, where does that come from? Well, it's just created artificially out of nothing. And uh, it's basically spread around. Now, that's not without consequences. Actually, what they're calling the federal debt is not debt at all. It's just a record of the cumulative amount of value that the government has taken out of the economy uh, without accounting for it in the traditional taxing system. So it basically amounts to a tax. It's a tax that's recorded as federal government debt. So, you know, how long can we uh, tolerate this? Uh, yeah. The government does give some handouts. They throw some crumbs to, to the people in order to keep us from rebelling in the process, making us uh, utterly dependent on the government for mm -hmm. handouts, you know, like they did during the COVID shutdown. Uh, they shut down a lot of small and medium-sized businesses, put a lot of people out of work, forced people to take vaccines, which many people chose not to do and lost their jobs as a consequence. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they threw a few thousand dollars out to us so that we could still put food on the table and uh, at least survive. But, you know, we're a lot worse off now than we were uh, before. And Thomas, uh, it get worse still. Indeed. Uh, I want to take advantage of your decades of researching, writing, and organizing your thoughts about uh, the finances and the wealth on this planet, as you well articulate in your writings. Along these lines, uh, assuming that we're, that many people or at least my my these viewers and listeners here are probably aware of uh the precarious nature of uh or the insidious nature of the federal reserve the the problem with the, the fiat currency how would how do you describe i don't want to put words and thoughts in your mouth how do you, what is succinctly what is the money problem and what are possible alternatives? Because 
it was mind-blowing over the last few months for me to discover in conversations with other people to learn that really smart people like you have put a lot of thought into solving, number one, the money problem, number two, what could I, are almost, maybe I have this wrong, alternatives to money. So wrapping up this question, tell me, Thomas, what are the major problems that we face today? What are the major dangers that are hanging over our head? What bubbles are there that could burst any second or soon? And then what are your best thoughts, recommendations, proposals, and speculations or, or examples that you found in your research of alternatives that have been tried in smaller, bigger uh, experiments and what hope do we have through our creativity and by many, many smart people knowing these problems and imagining new solutions? Well, there are tried and true solutions. So this is not a big deal. Uh, there are ways that we can uh, take control of our exchange process ourselves. Uh, it's just a matter of organizing ourselves to do it. Uh, but to, to go back to the money problem, you know, the money problem is really a civilizational problem. It doesn't stop at money. You know, when you have this centralized control of money, you have centralized control of everything else, which is uh, power and wealth. And it increasingly tends toward totalitarian government, as we've been seeing with the draconian measures that governments have imposed during the COVID meltdown, and now they're trying to impose even more uh, in the name of climate change uh, with uh, forcing farmers off their land, uh, taking control of farmland, uh, taking uh, other uh, resources out of production, and basically they're destroying the economy. Uh, at the same time, uh, we're headed toward uh, a global totalitarian uh, feudal government. You know, what uh, George Orwell wrote about in 1984, an animal farm, and what Aldous Huxley, Huxley wrote about in uh, Brave New World, these are all coming to pass. Uh, and Orwell's people, 1984 also. That's what I did. I, yeah, I mentioned that. But uh, You said Animal yeah. Farm, which is a good book, too. Yeah, well, both, the Animal yeah. Farm and 1984. Right. Uh, so... Yeah, that, that's what we're faced with. And uh, if we don't do something about it, uh, that's where we're going to end up. So we can't confront this uh, political military power directly. What we have to do is to uh, reinvent money, reinvent the exchange process in a way that puts control in our, in our hands. So we need to devolve power by taking control of credit. Because money today is nothing but credit. And we have allowed the banking cartel and the government to take control of credit and to monopolize what I call the credit commons. But when you look at how people do business, how companies do business, uh, businesses give each other credit all the time. It's called doing business on open account. So let's say I'm a manufacturer of toys and you're a retailer who sells toys uh, you order a million dollars worth of toys for me to stock your shelves, and I send you the toys, 
along with an invoice. I trust you to pay me in 30 days or 60 days or whatever time period is customary. In toys, it would be a lot longer because the, the big sales period for toys is around the Christmas holidays. So anyway, that invoice represents a debt that you owe to me. And I've given you credit. And this is common in business all around the world. We give each other credit. Now, we've allowed the banks to take control of credit. So now, if you want credit, you typically go to the bank and the bank will charge you interest. When I send you the toys and an invoice, I don't charge you interest. I give you a certain amount of time to pay uh, without interest. Now, if you go beyond that period, I might add a surcharge, but you know that's not interest. That's, uh, that's a charge for, uh, for non-payment. So anyway, what we have to do is to take back control of the credit commons by giving each other credit. And uh, there are ways of doing that. You know, we can issue private currencies. In fact, there's a long history of private companies issuing their own currencies. Uh, back in the Great Depression, and I mentioned this in my book as well, there were a number of script issues that were put into circulation by various entities, including school districts and municipal governments and, and uh, private enterprises because during the Great Depression, there was an insufficient supply of official money circulating. And this was true in the United States and many places around the world. So one of the companies that I mentioned in my book was a Larson company in the Niagara, uh, Niagara Falls region of New York State. They issued their own local currency into circulation by paying their workers in part with it and paying their suppliers in part with it and promising to accept that currency back for whatever you wanted to buy at the Larson Company uh, outlets. So, you know, this is tried and true, private currencies. And there's history in Europe about railway companies issuing their own currency in a similar fashion, and then accepting your currency back uh, for railway tickets, passenger tickets, and so on. Uh, but we can also organize into mutual credit clearing circles, which is what is done with uh, commercial so-called barter exchanges. They don't really do barter. What they do is they allocate credit to their members on the basis of their ability to put value into the system. And uh, those credits can then circulate throughout the uh, system. If I uh, buy something from you, uh, you get a credit and I get a debit. So it's just a matter of bookkeeping. Now, you can take those credits and get what you need from somebody else in the circle. Eventually, I have to sell something to somebody and accept those credits back and bring my account back to zero or closer to balance. So, you know, it's a simple process of bookkeeping and organizing. So we have these examples of commercial trade exchanges doing this credit clearing process. And actually banks do credit clearing among themselves. If I have a check uh, from you that you have used to pay me for something, and I take my check uh, from you to my bank and my bank will give me cash for it or deposit it to my account. So now your bank owes my bank. 
So your bank has to clear the obligations with my bank and the other banks. And that's why we had clearing houses in every city uh, around the country in the early days. And now they're all done electronically, this clearing process uh, of banks clearing obligations amongst themselves. So producers and sellers of value uh, can do this directly. We can clear obligations and, uh, and uh, dues that uh, we create among ourselves by our trade amongst ourselves. We don't need to involve the banks at all. So this is a way of creating liquidity outside the banking system. And how urgent is it that America and the world uh, adopt and experiment and start implementing these different modalities and these solutions? Well, the window of opportunity is rapidly closing. As I mentioned, we're we're quickly moving toward this global totalitarian uh, feudalist society. And uh, the one thing that needs to be done to enable uh, liberation in other areas is to solve the exchange problem. And uh, that's what I've been working on for more than 40 years. And that's what I write about in my books and articles. So you don't have to wait for the new book to, to be completed. Uh, much of what I've done in the interim uh, since 2009, when the book was published, uh, has been covered in articles that I've posted on my website, beyondmoney.net. So if you go there, you'll find a, uh, a menu item called recent articles, and you can click on that. And there are several recent articles that you can avail yourselves of uh, to get the thoughts on these more recent developments. Thank you, Thomas. When we, uh, I, I want to read a little bit more about you to give you your due, my friend. You are Thomas H. Greco Jr. is a prominent scholar, educator, and community economist who for decades has been working at the leading edge of transformational restructuring. He is widely regarded as a leading authority on monetary theory, moneyless exchange systems, community currencies, financial innovation, and community economic development, and is a sought-after speaker internationally. Thomas is dedicated to transcending the interest-based political debt money system and advises community and business groups on how they can create honest, homegrown means of payment, liquidity, that can empower small business, provide meaningful employment, and shift control back to local communities. But wait, there's more. Mr. Greco holds an MBA from the University of Rochester and a bachelor's degree in chemical engineering from Villanova University. He spent a year in residence doing doctoral study in management and instructional technology at Syracuse University. His work experience includes five years as an aerospace engineer and 14 years in academia, where he held a tenured faculty position at Rochester Institute of Technology. His expertise includes monetary theory, complementary currency and exchange systems, computer applications, statistics, and survey research. And we're going to uh, take a little break, and when we come back, I really want to dig in a little bit more depth about not only the money problem, Thomas, but also the land problem and uh, 
more along those lines. So right now, here is important information from today's News Talk TNT. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. There's an old Southern proverb here in the United States that the ones doing the accusing are usually the ones doing the doing. The bard put it a little more eloquently, methinks thou doth protest too much. But pretty much any time you see people smearing Donald Trump, for example, you can pretty much bet your bottom dollar that they're the ones that are guilty from everything of which they accuse him. Starting war, being a dictator on day one, all of the lies heaped upon Donald Trump, all the fear-mongering, all the panic they're trying to engender. We have to save democracy. How exactly? By destroying democracy, by being totalitarian, by breaching civil rights? No. I'm sticking with Granny on the front porch. Those doing the accusing are usually those doing the doing. For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. You're with Bruce DeTorres and World Stage on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We are now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. Thomas H. Greco, Jr., continuing our conversation about money, something that far too many of us, I believe, just take for granted and have never looked behind the scenes or the history of it. So at the risk of making you repeat yourself, I'm going to ask a question that sounds like I've asked it before, but I really want to uh, make it clear. If we continue along the path monetarily, let's talk, I guess, the United States as a major huh, force, to say the least, uh, in the world's economy. But for the sake of the United States, upon whom so much relies in terms of the potential to restore democratic freedoms. Um, right now, what are the top three or four looming conditions that are the most dangerous that we must solve with different uh, solutions that you're bringing forth? Well, you know, we see how things are going in the world. Uh, we could be living in an Eden. Instead, we've created a hell based on the dominating desires of a small globalist elite. Uh, the U.S. government has been taken over basically by what is being called the deep state, 
you know, the Democrat Party is no longer what it used to be. Uh, the Democrat Party base used to be labor and ordinary people. Uh, is the is the economy and the debt where the country has this proverbial balloon that could pop at any second and bring everything crashing down with it? Is that more or less accurate? Well, it's like it is like a balloon. You know, you try to constrain it somewhere and it bulges out somewhere else. And it's not just the economy or the financial system. <clears throat> it's the whole ball of wax. It's the uh, political, the social, the economic, the financial, uh, all together. So it is that concentration of wealth and power that is very, very obvious to those who who study it. And uh, thank you for indulging, you know, probably my third attempt to, to ask the same question. Why did I repeat the question? I think it's because I'm searching for an answer along, you know, along the lines of the, the, the harm or the danger of all that wealth in the hands of such a small uh, amount of people who are leveraging it through the banks and the corporations that they own and the governments that that they influence. So you need not repeat that because I'm in complete agreement with your diagnosis, doctor, of, of, of the problem. If you, if you wouldn't mind, maybe you'll have to re-explain some of the things you already have, but what, what are the top, if you had to, if you could make a list, this, 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 and this, Bruce, if enough Americans in their local communities did these things, it could from the bottom up, start to give us protection from, let's say, an economic co collapse and start to give us some of the uh, autonomy from the bottom up that we use, that we desperately need and no longer have, even from the, from the civic and from the political empowerment, being able to influence the legislators who are making the rules and regs that are constraining our lives worse and worse, along the horrible scenarios of Huxley and Orwell, with the lack of freedom and the total, total surveillance, what? How would you approach that? Those issues. Well, as pointed out earlier, it's the concentration of power and wealth, and those two always go together. Uh, and the reason that concentration has progressed uh, to such extremes is because of the money monopoly that I mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, it used to be the land problem was the foremost problem. It's still a problem, but uh, if you control money, you can buy the land. And we've seen Bill Gates has done that. Uh, reports indicate that Bill Gates owns up to 30% of all the farmland in America. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's mind-boggling yeah. that one person is able to do that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have, uh, not only in the United States, you have oligarchs over, all over the world that are uh, accumulating more and more power and wealth into their own hands. What does it take to live a free life? Uh, what does it take to live a dignified life? Well, it takes a certain amount of freedom and self-reliance. If you don't have a place to stand, if you don't have a place to garden or to farm, uh, if you don't have 
your own way of creating exchange media, you are basically powerless. You're at the mercy of the oligarchs who control the power and wealth. Then, As if I, you would, describe for me how your average American community could start creating and implementing, and exactly what those are again, you mentioned them before, about credit clearing and uh, different kind of currencies. To right. folks who are hearing this kind of thing for the first time, it I, and me, I'll confess, it's a big head, it's a big head scratcher. Okay, yeah. how do I go mm -hmm. about that? And I picked up on this particular thing you said, it, it, sh it sh should be doable for those who produce value. And I remember, wait a minute, for the last 30 years with globalization, we're manufacturing so much less than we ever did before. Who's actually producing and creating value of a tangible kind that could be and function in the way that you are advising in your decades of work? Did I give you a coherent question or door to go through, Thomas? Okay, yeah, this, this raises another problem, which is the... Uh the growth of corporate power. Uh, David Corton wrote a book many years ago called When Corporations Rule the World. And uh, he was very prescient in writing that because uh, as time has gone on, corporations have gotten bigger and bigger. They're less constrained. Well, they're not at all constrained uh, by the limits that used to be put on them. You know, at the uh, founding of the United States, corporations uh, were created, uh, chartered as a privilege in order to do some project that was beneficial to the common good. Uh, they had a limited lifetime, typically 20 years, and they had a limited scope of what they could do. Well, those limitations have all been totally obliterated. And now you have uh, mega corporations that are uh, conglomerates and uh, they can basically do anything they want, gobble up smaller corporations, and, and so on. So now the supply chains have gone global, but you know it's still the small, medium-sized enterprises that are the backbone of any community economy. So number one, we have to start patronizing more and more our local, community-owned, uh, private businesses. Uh, we have to allocate our investments to those businesses as well. Instead of investing in large corporations on Wall Street, we need to bring money back from Wall Street to our local communities. And there are people that are working on this reallocation of conventional money back to the local communities. So that's the way we start to build local community power. But beyond that, we have to create our own exchange media to escape this debt trap that has been laid for us by the banking system. So that means local currencies issued by local businesses and uh, local credit clearing exchanges. My vision is that we can organize those local credit clearing exchanges and network them together, just like we've networked our computers together, so that we have credit that is locally controlled and managed, but globally useful uh, to make payments when we need to get something from outside of our community. So are there, really are, there any, are there any resources or groups 
that are doing this or teaching communities how to do it that you could recommend or any websites or anything like that? Uh, Look for the Main Street Journal. Main Street Journal is uh, uh, the work of Michael Michael Schumann. Uh, He talks about supporting local businesses uh, by buying locally and investing locally. Uh, That's a vast, uh, very valuable resource. Uh, There are others that are working on uh, community currencies, uh, community exchange system, which has started in South Africa. They have hundreds of uh, local currencies and exchange systems networked together. There's uh, Community Forge that does the same thing. Um, I want to point people, especially scholars, to the IJCCR, the Internet Journal of Community Currency Research, which is an academic uh, organization based in Holland. Um, There are a number of other uh, resources that you can find on my website. Um, I've got them all listed. And uh, beyondmoney.net. Yeah. Right. Mm hmm. Good. And you alluded to the land problem. And as you know, I uh, am part of a, a monthly effort to talk about economic justice and the economics uh, and ideas of, of Henry George. For yeah. the folks who are hearing that for the very first time, what does that, what does that entail? What was the land problem? You say it's, it's secondary now to the money problem. Um, well, it's it's, it's yeah. uh, concurrent with the money problem. It's current. Okay. Now, any any monopoly is going to be a problem for us. And so we have multiple monopolies. One is land and another is money. Uh, And we're increasingly moving toward monopolies in food and energy. Those also have to be transcended. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm a Georgist. I discovered Henry George through my association with the School of Living more than 45 years ago. And... uh, Henry George basically uh, said that, you know, the distribution of land ownership is a matter of uh, who gets there first and claims it. And uh, the others that come later uh, have to beg for access. And so there have been many attempts to reallocate access to land, but George's approach was to say, um, let's leave the land ownership as it is but let's impose a tax on land values so that land that is not used properly uh, will be taxed at a higher rate and that will force it onto the market. And those that need it to grow food or to live or to build houses or factories uh, can acquire it. Uh, So yeah, that in a nutshell, I think is the George's philosophy. You can correct me if I'm wrong, well, I understand it's a, it would be a, revolu- uh, a, a big di- change in our ch- tax structure, especially here in the United States, where those land values would be, I think, exclusively the taxable uh, item, freeing us from the tax burden on wages and on sales tax on products. And what I've learned from Alana Hartsock and from the uh, 
International, uh, I know it's VIU, Union for Land Value Taxation. These are Henry George's uh, philosophies developed since the late 1800s. And it's something I'm endeavoring to get up to speed with as quickly as I can. But again, it's it proves what one of my favorite quotes from President Harry Truman, the only thing new in the world is the history you don't know. There are all these possibilities and all these uh, things that, for instance, it was a human thing in all natural, organic, indigenous cultures for eons that you couldn't have ownership of land, that every human being had just as much right to the food and the water and the resources of the earth. And it's only with the advent of the last few hundred years of corporate power and state power that has led to the conditions we take for granted as just givens, you know, of the universe that, yeah, if you own it, you you control it, and we've got to pay through the nose whatever you charge for the simple things we need to live, like the land that would give us the food we need to eat and the water we need to drink. Okay, here's the problem, Bruce. If the land value tax was a sole tax, that would take away the government's power to do whatever it wants because it wouldn't have the money. They're not about to give up their money power. So that's why I say uh, we can't do a direct confrontation through the political system. It's just not going to be allowed. All we can do is create parallel systems uh, that solve the problem for us. And then we can tackle the other problems. You know, as uh, Bucky Fuller said, you don't solve a problem by attacking the status quo. You find right. ways to get around it or something right. to that effect. Yeah, you create the solutions or the, you work on the conditions you'd like to uh, create. And I presume on your website, beyondmoney.net, Thomas H. Greco, Jr., there will be resources leading one into where these local community-based things are being done and, and and how to create currencies and credit clearing uh abilities so that we can get out of the i like you know you, you've just find it as political money and get out of the the trap of the banking and the and the debt uh prison that the, the planet really is, is in to for all intents and purposes all right and what are the what are the and we've only got a couple of minutes left here oh really just about a minute thomas what are your final thoughts my friend what would you reiterate or what would you steer people to besides um your your substack thomasgreco.substack your final thoughts thomas please yeah i would ask people to go to my website beyondmoney.net and to follow along in reading the chapters of my new version of the end of money and the future of civilization uh, all on my website as well as substack medium and uh, other places so thank you i highly recommend that as well yeah no i um i really enjoyed uh reading your first chapter there's four or five others now on your substack thomas uh, greco.substack.com i do have that correct and beyondmoney.net and this is today's News Talk, TNT.